It's making luck. It's making luck. It's making luck with wandering winders. It's making luck. It's making luck. It's ma- why am I doing this? This is definitely not going to be how I open the show. It's probably because I don't have any idea on how I want to start exactly. Like, I know what I want to talk about, but I don't have a way to get into that. Well, the hate is going to hate, 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 hate. And the faker's going to fake, 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 baby. I'm just going to make, 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 make. Making luck, making luck. A Dimity Podcast. Welcome back to Making Luck. A Dominion Podcast. Um, Wandering Winder here, just following up on some of the previous things we've been talking about, um, surrounding kind of end game play and the view that people have of riskiness versus safeness and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and today I want to talk about a, a situation where I think people kind of um, go wrong the other way. Which is, um, so mostly I've been talking about people are um, not concerned enough about, or they're too concerned about being safe and not taking risks. So they're too risk averse, um, quote unquote, in in endings and sometimes outside of endings as well. Um, But in this episode, uh, I want to talk about a, a way where I think people aren't risk averse enough um and that's uh to do with pile outs now i should lead by saying here that like going for pile outs a first of all isn't always risky and b certainly isn't always bad um but i think there's a number of situations well basically a, a specific set of situations where i see people too eager to set them up and that uh and that can lead to some problems and lead to not winning some games that should have been won with more careful play. So let's talk about why setting them up is bad. And to do that, we have to figure out when setting them up is bad. Um, in general, setting them up is not something that I think is something you should really actively be trying to do that much, although there's definitely situations where you do want to do it. So don't take this too harshly, but um, okay, when is it good and when is it not? Um, Setting up a pile out, lowering piles, and I don't just mean lowering piles by like, I'm just gaining some cards on like turn four, which technically lowers a pile, but I mean lowering piles for the purpose of lowering piles, um, is advantageous to players in certain kinds of positions and disadvantageous to other kinds of players. Um, It's not just a neutral thing. It has strategic implications. So let's talk about uh, what those are. Uh, Lowering piles is usually good for you if your deck quality is a worse quality deck than your opponent's deck quality, right? Um, And the reason for that is um, if your opponent has a higher quality deck, then they're going to be more advantage, more advantaged, more advantageous, more advantaged, more advantaged in a long game. Um, so the longer the game goes, the more that that quality of deck uh, advantage that your opponent has is going to be able to shine through. Right? Uh, you can kind of think of it as their deck quality advantage gives them some overall tangible 
it's a temporary advantage, kind of, although it probably persists because they'll continue to have it. But it, it accrues like final advantage in terms of points at the end of the game. Um, maybe not directly, but basically, <laughs> it advances their position by some amount every turn that the game goes extra, right? Um, because the amount that they're able to do in a turn times the number of turns is the amount that they're able to do in the game. And the amount that you're able to do in a turn times the number of turns is the amount that you're able to do in a game. So, um, first of all, having an extra turn is great because then you're multiplying by an extra one turn, right? But also, just um, if, if their deck quality minus your deck quality is a positive number for them, then multiplying that by a larger number of turns is going to give them more of an advantage. Basically, that's that's what I'm saying here. If they're if they're if your deck quality is better, you want the game to go longer, which means you don't want to lower piles. Um, the other way that uh, lowering piles is good for you is if you're ahead in points. So if you're ahead in points, then making the game end faster is generally a good thing because if the game ends, you win. If you're if you have more points than them, uh, the further ahead in points you are, the more advantageous that lowering piles is. If you're up by like one point and that's a negligible fraction of what you're either of you was expecting to get on a turn, then it's a pretty negligible reason why it would be ahead for you and why it would be good for you. Especially if it if at the end of your turn you're up by one point, then it's probably quite negligible. But um, yeah. Um, the other way that lowering piles can be good for you is if you have more pile control than your opponent. Um, but this, there's a caveat to this, which is lowering piles is good for you in this case to a point, and beyond that point it ceases to be good. So like if your opponent can get three or four, say four things on a turn, and you can get 20 things on a turn, then lowering things to where there's four things left for a pile out, probably not good for you. Um, lowering things to where there's, you know, 12 things left for a pile out, yeah, then you're going to be able to pile out, right? Um, so, so having pile control lets you control the game end to an extent, but even uh, if it's more than your opponent can do in maybe, strictly speaking, one turn, um, you don't necessarily uh, want to lower it too much um, because then that dissipates, right? If the amount of pile can, you can control you have is much greater than what's needed to end the game, um, then and then it starts to approach what your opponent can do, and it, it dissipates your your deck control advantage. Again, it depends a little bit on how much extra gains they have and the points situation and all of that. It's a, just a very broad generality I'm speaking in here. Uh, and the last thing I want to talk about uh, in terms of how it advantages one player versus another is who's expected to win overall. So if you're behind overall in terms of win win rate, then lowering piles makes the game shorter and more random. And shorter, more random games, uh, you know, it's like we talked about in the previous episode. Shorter, more random games have, um, yeah, higher possibility to be decided by just one fluky kind of draw, which is probably what you need to win. So it can be helpful there. But I do want to stress that's pretty low percentage, uh, pretty small 
uh, difference. And actually, all of these are kind of small differences compared to you need to be getting cards that are advancing your game plan kind of in, in any respect. Um, these are going to be, strictly speaking, like if you have free gains and a watchtower in hand, you can immediately trash the card. Fine. Um, and there wasn't anything you else you were doing with those gains, then fine. But usually you want to be either increasing your deck's capability to some extent and or scoring points to help position yourself for the end game. Um, and lowering piles is not like the hugest concern you should have except insofar as you need to make sure that it's not super easy for your opponent to win and or of course if it if it's emptying all the piles to zero and that gives you like a forced win then then yeah great obviously do that um so these are some general categories and now i want to talk about kind of the problem that i see people doing a lot um they'll set up a pile out uh the lower piles to try to set up a pile out um and this goes against what i've just said because um, and, and when I say they're doing this, they're doing this in a situation where their deck is better and they're advantaged and right, they should expect to win the game and certainly you know they have a better deck than their opponent so the long game is good for them. Um, but they'll set up a pileout because it wins faster. The problem is, just like we talked about in the first game, losing sl- or in the first one of these last few videos, um, losing slower isn't losing less, it's just losing slower. It's not losing less assuredly, it's just losing slower. Winning faster isn't winning more, it's just winning faster. And winning faster isn't winning more assuredly, it's just winning faster. Um, Again, sometimes setting up a pile out, like you have it guaranteed on your next turn, and so then it's obviously totally fine. Your opponent can't do anything about it. Then, yeah, go ahead and set up that pile out for the next turn. Um, But if it's not guaranteed, you really want to think about it. Um, So... Right, if your deck is better than your opponent's, you shouldn't be lowering piles for the sake of lowering piles, generally. Um, Again, unless you have some kind of pretty good guarantee that may not be in place later on. Um, And the reason why this is bad is, you know, depending on how far ahead you are, maybe lowering the pile... Well, the first reason why it's bad is you better make sure you calculate it right, because if you've missed something and they're able to pile out, then you've just, like, stumbled into a loss, right? Presumably, you're not lowering piles to the extent where your opponent can can just win the game on this turn, if you're ahead like this. Um, but sometimes you do that, and sometimes you've miscalculated. So that's that's bad. But I'm assuming you haven't miscalculated. Um, and we'll talk about the calculation in the second half of the episode, where I talk about some specific pileout things to watch for. Um, but in the... In the first part here, I want to talk about, yeah, okay, so maybe you've miscalculated and and they're able to do something that you didn't calculate and they just win immediately. But, okay, let's assume you've calculated right and they can't win immediately. Well, now, first of all, the the next thing that you have to worry about is, I say first of all a lot when I'm in the middle of a list, so, you know, that's weird. Um, But you need to worry about, (laughs) my point is, you need to worry about, okay, are you really setting up a pileout that's favorable to you, or like, even if your opponent scores, you're still going to be able to pile out? Is, is that a thing? Or if they score, are you going to be able to score more and still pile out? Um, or are you going to be able to score enough and you can't pile out, but it's still advantageous to you? Or 
are you going to have to score and then suddenly the piles being lower isn't necessarily advantageous to you because you're in the scoring race and the piles being low doesn't really help. Um, so that's that's something. When you're lowering piles, generally, what you, if, if you're doing it for that reason, you want it to be to be able to prevent them from improving their deck safely. So either they have to take a big risk uh, that you might pile out or they can't improve their deck as much as they would like to. Um, so which piles and what the alternatives to those piles are also important. Um, so that's, that's another thing. Um, the other reason why it's bad, and this is the biggest thing, is in this situation where you're very far ahead um, and it's not, like, assured, um, is that, uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, number of filler words that I'm saying here is just way too high and a lot of ums, but, you know, it's hard to podcast alone sometimes. Sue me. Don't actually sue me because I haven't provided you anything and it's not, there's no grounds for which you can sue me on. Like, um, constitutionally, you have a mandate to be able to sue for something that costs $20 or more, but I haven't, um, like, deprived you of $20 worth of value for one thing uh, the podcast is free for another thing. No one's forcing you to listen to it for another thing. I'm way off topic now. So let's go back and talk about why in these situations setting these pileouts up is bad. So the biggest reason why this is bad is just, you know, you're ahead by some amount and it's a deck quality lead. And, uh, well, let's say you're up by a solid but not huge margin setting up the pile out makes it more likely that just like I have a single dud and now because I've lowered the piles my single dud my opponent can have two turns that they can beat me they can do that quote-unquote risky line we talked about in the safe plays um, episode and uh, and if you have a dud then they can win right so you're setting yourself up to be able to lose when you dud so that's not something you want to do um, or maybe you're ahead by more you're setting yourself up to lose on uh, two consecutive duds, um, which is less likely, but still possible. Or maybe you're ahead by more. You're setting yourself up to lose on three consecutive duds. And at this point, you're thinking, wondering, wonder, how can someone have three consecutive duds? But man, sometimes there's decks where, or woman, or girl, or boy, or non-binary representation word that you want to... I'm not trying to offend anyone when I say man. Okay, that's my point here. Um, so I apologize if saying man is offensive to you. That wasn't my intention. The point is, uh, it can happen sometimes, person. Um, <laughs> it can happen sometimes, particularly, uh, I mean, it depends on what kind of deck you're in, but, you know, let's say you're drawing a lot with stables. You draw a hand of five stables, and now you have multiple duds in a row. Um Let's say you're drawing with a, some kind of village and smithy variant. You draw all your villages together or all of your smithies together, and now you're dudding not just once, but multiple turns in a row. So, like, this stuff is not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed all the time at all. Now, sometimes it is guaranteed, because, like, I have 10 tokens on my sinister plot, so I can draw 10 cards, and then there is no 15 card hand that I can draw that can't do it, whatever. I'm not talking about the cases where it's strictly guaranteed. Where it's strictly guaranteed, it's a forced win. You can win however you want. Go ahead and do it. Um, but 
what I'm talking about is if it lets you have like n duds then and lose because of that, then why did you risk that? If you're so much ahead, you should be able to even play around, you know, how do I lose this game? And lowering piles is usually falls into ways that you can lose the game, even though it also usually falls into ways that you can win the game faster. Now, having said that, I do this sometimes in some of the cases where I'm like massively, massively ahead. I will lower piles to set up the pile out because, I mean, usually this is, I have a pretty big points lead on top of my big deck deck uh, lead. Um, the reason I'll do it is because just like I want the game to be over with and there's some life equity to having shorter games. So I'm not trying to criticize that. I'm saying in terms of strictly speaking, trying to maximize your win percentage, uh, setting up the pileouts where your deck is like a lot better than your opponents is, is not often or usually the thing to do. Um, before I move on to the second half where I talk about specific things to watch out for with pileouts, I do want to mention, as I have been in these few episodes, why I think this happens somewhat. Uh, the first reason is actually just what I said, which is people want the game to be over with faster, and uh, and so they'll play to, to end it faster. That's not really a strategic reason, but I think it's a practical reason, which is um, perfectly valid and can come up, but you know, you will lose some percentage uh, of win chances, and depending on like how far you're ahead and how far your points you're up and how far your deck is better, um, it, it might actually be that uh, that you're losing kind of significant percentages, or if you're just like massively ahead, maybe it's a hundredth of a percent or something, in which case it probably doesn't really matter what you do that much, but yeah, anyway, um, so... So the the speed thing is one thing, but the other thing is there's this kind of this thought that like the shorter the game is, the less likely it is that my opponent can come back because there's less time for some I don't know whatever to happen. Right in in chess, mate in three is generally considered to be favorable, more favorable than you know mate in twelve, and okay in mate in twelve it's forced, but like you there's more time for you to make a mistake. Um, or if you're playing a game like Magic, right? Killing your opponent faster can be more advantageous than killing them slower because it gives them fewer fewer turns to draw some haymaker to, to bust out of it. And that kind of concept can also come up in Dominion, but in a lot of cases it doesn't. Um, in a lot of cases it's just your deck is better and so you want the game to go longer, Um which is what I'm railing against here, is lowering piles in that situation. But there are some situations where emptying it faster reduces your risk, even if you are very far ahead, because it reduces the chance that your opponent, instead of you having the fluke draw in a dud, maybe your opponent has the fluke draw where everything just lines up super well. So, like, if they have two king's courts and three bridges in their deck and, like, 25 bad cards, then ending the game faster might be advantageous to you because... It gives them less time to connect KC, KC, bridge, bridge, or something, right? So it's not always bad in these cases, but um, yeah, most of the time the game is not really like that, and uh, lowering piles for you gives them some opportunities, even in that KC bridge scenario, to where maybe they can pile out with some kind of a weaker hand, where they have Casey Bridge a couple of times or something. So you really have to weigh uh, whether your opponent having some fluky great turn is a bigger risk than you dudding. And 
in the big majority of cases that I find you dudding is the bigger risk, but um, yeah, it, it is something you need to weigh either way. Um, and that's way two ways, you know, way, W-E-I-G-H, either way, W-A-Y, two ways, W-A-Y-S. Did I say W-E-Y? Anyway, let's move on to some specific things to look for in pileouts. Um, so to some respect, you know, it's very broad and I can't cover everything. These are just some things that I think are kind of easy to overlook um, with specific piles or specific things that are around. So curse, curse is a pile that can run and people don't think about it. Um, obviously the most likely way is that it runs just from cursing attacks. Um, and you need to think about cursing attacks even when it's not totally empty because the cursing attack effectively represents an extra gain which gets the pile out closer. Um, you're not really gaining it, your opponent is, but it still lowers the pile, right? So that's one way, and that's the kind of boring, obvious way. Um, cursed gold, again, it's an extra it's an extra gain of a curse, um, and that can be pile control sometimes, and I've had people miss that against me, and I think I may have missed it against opponents. Um, the thing about curse pileouts, obviously the big thing is that it's negative 10 points, and you need to be up by a lot of points to be able to take on 10 points uh, and still empty the pile. Um negative 10 points that is so that's something else to watch out uh, watch out for is that okay yeah they can empty it maybe but you know won't that point thing be really bad for them um and it takes a ton of buys right that's like 10 extra buys but if buys are super plentiful and money maybe not then um curse pile out may be something to watch for the other things are goons um goons if you have a few goons in play, it's suddenly not necessarily negative points, and goons give you extra buys anyway. Uh, so, you know, look for it a, a little bit more than normal with goons. Look for it also a little bit more than normal uh, to a, similarly, but to a slightly lesser extent with triumph, um, because, you know, you're scoring the point back from triumph, and if you have multiple triumphs, you're scoring more points back. So triumph can be a way there. Uh, Swamp Hag. Swamp Hag is a cursing attack, but it's a little bit different than the others. Um, playing Swamp Hags or playing enough Swamp Hags sometimes lets your opponent pile out on curses by just buying whatever normal cards. Um, so usually that's going to be bad for them, but sometimes they can use it to their advantage, so be aware of that. Um, just basically just, yeah, be aware of it. Um, Watchtower lets you empty curses without the negative points because you can, you know, trash them immediately. Um, an embargo embargo you can embargo something else you're buying or you can embargo the curses and that cuts in half the number of buys you need if you multiply embargo something then it reduces it even more so embargo is a way to to set up some curse pileouts and it's one of my favorite things to do even if it isn't um, strictly speaking necessary super often move to another pile which is estate um, again there's some things that just make you want to have estates more so like inheritance or shepherd or something are going to make the estates more valuable to have in your deck so they're probably going to run but it's probably not really going to be a pile out that's happening from them um so just you know bear in mind yes they will probably run because of these but whatever um similar to curse having a bunch of extra buys is a big deal um 
that can happen from wharves. Uh, unlike with curse, you need to have uh, money. Um, so a little bit of cost reduction, maybe from bridge trolls, comes up with this, or canal makes it easier to do with just a lot of buys and not a ton of money. Um, but watch out for it for things that give you lots of extra buys and will probably help you make money like Grand Market, uh, Wharf, City. Um, those are things that help the estates pile out. And the important thing about the estates pile out is it does score a little bit of points for you in the process. So like just taking one quote unquote safety province isn't enough uh, if your opponent can get eight estates as their third pile because eight estates outscores one province. So it is really something to be aware of in, in that sense. Um, other things that can help estates pile out, Baron. Baron can be, you know, just money and buys for like normal and that can normally be a pile out thing. But if their gains are your pinch point and not money so much, then you can Baron to gain an estate. You don't have to discard an estate, even if you can. You can do it to gain an estate, which also gives you an extra buy, so it effectively can get you two extra gains for estates, so watch out for that. And then wild hunt, like, you can just say, okay, I've drawn enough, and now I'm going to wild hunt to gain estates three times as part of a pileout. So it's a gaining card exactly for estates. Um, And then triumph, again, this is more like inheritance and shepherd, probably, as it's just like a thing where you want estates, Um, although it's specifically because it's scoring a lot of points. But, uh, yeah, estates are going to pile out uh, for Triumph pretty frequently. Um, Just watch out for that. Uh, Let's move on. Messenger, yeah, Messenger's just an extra gain. Sometimes when you're calculating, you need to keep in mind that if they buy a Messenger first, you can give both people a thing, and that can effectively be an extra gain. Or if it's the Messenger pile, it's like a couple extra gains. Messenger pile isn't often the thing that's running, but sometimes it is. Um, so yeah, just just be aware that messenger is an extra gain, can be an extra gain. Yeah, be aware of that. Um, Stonemason. Stonemason is such a pileout card because not only is there the overpay with cost reduction, especially, but even without, um, which gains you know like three cards out of the supply for a single buy, which is huge. Also, the on-play effect gets two extra, two more cards out of the supply out of a single play, which can be huge. And if you can do gain-and-play stuff, yeah, piles run a lot with Stonemason. Um, so be very aware of that. Uh, let's move on to Villa. Villa. Villa pile can run out pretty easily because it's a favorable thing to get um, in a lot of cases, so people are going to start on it. Um but the other big thing is they don't. Uh, it doesn't cost you a buy to buy a villa because you get it back when you gain the villa and then play it. Um, so it more or less effectively doesn't cost a buy. Usually, again, there's some edge cases where sometimes it gives you an extra buy because you gained it instead of bought it, um, and it gains to hand, so you don't have to draw it. Sometimes uh, it does cost you a buy somehow because you can't play it for whatever reason. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to play it, but whatever. Um, And then they're a little bit cheaper than they look when you can play them because they make money. So they effectively cost three except the last one. If the last one is the last thing you're buying, it still costs four. I saw somebody mess that up the other day and end up one money short of being able to pile out. And then a few turns later, they ended up losing because of that. So yeah, miscalculations happen. 
Uh, let's move to ironworks. If you have enough distinct sources of draw for ironworks, you can ironworks and ironworks, play your draw card, ironworks and ironworks, play a draw card, ironworks and ironworks, play a draw card. Um, I say distinct sources of draw, they usually will need to be um, like cantrips, non-terminal, or you're going to run out of terminal space, not from the ironworks, but from the other stuff. Uh, but sometimes, let's say you have a few of them, you can go like, and you have a bunch of extra action set up, you can go like ironworks for an ironworks three times, and then play a smithy, and then ironworks for an ironworks three times, and then play a smithy. Or if you have like infinite actions, because you've got champion in play, you can ironworks for an ironworks, ironworks for an ironworks, ironworks for a smithy, play a smithy, ironworks for an ironworks, ironworks for an ironworks, play a smithy, ironworks for an ironworks, ironworks for an ironworks, blah, 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 and empty piles that way. Um, It's not super common, but it's something you need to watch out for, that it's like gain and play and gain and play and gain and play. And you can do this with other kind of workshop variants that can gain themselves as well, but it's harder because they tend to be terminal in a lot of cases. And then some, some workshop variants don't gain themselves, like university can't gain itself, artisan and alter usually can't gain themselves, um, so watch out for that. Uh, rats. Rats can autopile. So if you have a couple of rats in play, or a couple of rats in hand, and you've drawn through enough of your deck, then you can play a rats, gain a rats, it goes to your discard pile, you play another rats to draw the first, to draw the rats you just gained, um, and you gain another rats, and then you can just loop playing rats until they're all gone. Uh, in order to do this, you're going to trash many more cards in your hand that can't be rats. Possibly, very often, all the other cards in your hand that aren't rats. So you need to either have some kind of... Well, A, you need to be able to pile out just doing that um, and not much else. So maybe you have money and buys to pile out otherwise that you have already have in play, basically. Um, so that after you shred your hand, it, it doesn't shred your ability to, to buy the other stuff you need to buy. You also need to be able to have a points lead after you've shredded the rest of your hand. So, like, if you've got provinces in hand and you don't have enough other stuff to trash, then you're going to lose all of them, and then maybe you don't have the lead when they pile. So, um, yeah, be careful about that. But do watch out for it, because it can happen sometimes to where, you know, you gain a couple rats and then you're off to the races and you pile out and it's it doesn't look like the piles were low but but it only takes a couple rats and it's gone um magpies magpies have probably piled already by the time you're thinking about this but they can also auto pile um if you get the right setup you can magpie which reveals a magpie you need like two magpies in your discard and then a magpie in hand magpie reveals a magpie gains a magpie play a magpie Draw a magpie, reveal a magpie, gain a magpie, over and over, and those can autopile. Like, that's very rare for it to come up, but it can come up. It's rare for it to come up, uh, I should say, as a thing that ends the game, because usually that the magpie is empty early, but yeah, anyway. Um, death cart. Death cart makes ruins pile quicker, so five gains of death cart is ten gains of ruins. Um, and that can make that pile so where it doesn't look like they have enough gains death cart might mean they have enough gains um, having said that uh, ruins themselves similar to curses what we talked about above if you just have a ton of buys it doesn't have the negative points problem so ruins uh, as a thing with just like where buys are really cheap 
Uh, ruins can run also. Um, let's talk about ball next. Ball is gain multiplication. So sometimes it's extra money because it gains like multiple four costs or three costs. So it's it makes you a little bit of money in for your pile out as well. But sometimes it's strictly just, you know, you have a limited number of buys. You have four buys. You can ball for estates. You have a ton of money. You can ball for estates four times, and that empties the estate pile. It costs you more money, but, um, you know, it, it gives you the extra gains you need sometimes. So watch out for ball when you're trying to count gains that are available. Um, yep. Uh, experiment. Experiments evaporate pretty fast. Again, there's only 10 of them, but it only takes five gains to gain the pile out. And yeah, you just have to be a little bit wary because they're tricky because they return themselves as a supply also. So if you have to play experiments to get to the things that let you gain experiments, then you need to be able to gain more of them. So just be careful around them because they can pile out, but yeah. Um, Talisman. Talisman, kind of obvious, um, just halves the number of buys you need for cheap stuff. What are you going to say? Um, sometimes there's gain and play where you gain a talisman and that halves the buys. Um, ambassador. So uh, one of the obnoxious things about Ambassador is that it's so good early on, but it's actually still good late. I mean, you're continuing to send a little bit of junk back and forth. Um, but also, it's a tool for pileouts, right? You reveal and return zero of a thing, and you can you have two ambassadors from the early game anyway, and that's two extra gains for pile control. Um, you usually don't want to do that till like right at the very end because you don't have good things in your deck that you're sending to them. So just like be careful, but be aware of it. it happens with provinces a good amount, but it also can happen with whatever other like component pile, and it's just extra gains to be able to to dance around in the ending. So watch out for ambassadors. Um, Lurker, again, it's not the main point of Lurker, but it can be very useful at the end. You know, you've got four Lurkers because you're gaining two things a turn with them. Um, Your opponent also has four Lurkers because they were gaining two things a turn with them. And at some point, you need to be aware that you don't have to gain things. You could just trash four things, and that's, boom, a lot closer to a pileout. So watch out for that with Lurker. Border Village, Border Village is going to run out usually, or, or pretty often anyway, but it may take some time, so it may be involved in a pile out. This one's pretty obvious, but basically just like you buy a Border Village, or you gain a Border Village, and that's two gains, because it's also going to gain a cheaper thing, so, you know, there's two piles at two, and your opponent only has two buys, because the only plus buy in the game is Pouch, well, they can Border Village into the other thing twice, and that's a pile out for them, so watch out for that. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about is one that I just had very recently in a game, which is Banquet. Um, Banquet doesn't help you get extra gains at all unless Copper is one of the piles, so shout out to the edge case of Copper being one of the piles. But, but um, yeah, uh, Banquet is... I guess it could go into a whole lot of things for Copper being a pile, but I'm not going to. I'm not. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. Uh, but Banquet, what it does is it makes the pile out cheaper. So if there's things that cost four or especially five that you need to pile out and your opponent you normally wouldn't have the money for it and normally you wouldn't want to necessarily banquet for them a lot because just like having adding so many coppers to your deck is not not worth it maybe or not worth it usually um but in a pile out scenario yeah it doesn't matter you're not going to carry the, the 
the coppers around at the end of the game. So, or, you know, at, later on, because the game is ending. So in a pileout scenario, Vanquish just makes all the pileouts that don't involve victory cards cheaper. Not all of them, but the four and five cost ones. Um, so yeah, this is just a beginning in talking about things to watch out for with pileouts. Um, but hopefully between the first half, in terms of being wary of setting up pileouts for pileouts' sake, um, particularly when you have a deck control slash long game advantage. Um, and the second half on various things that you want to watch out for with pileouts. Hopefully you've been able to learn something. Maybe this is all boring to you because some of the stuff's kind of obvious, but I don't know. Um, you can leave comments on other things to watch out for with pileouts. Like I say, this is certainly not um, a comprehensive uh, list of things, so if you want to help other listeners out, um, maybe you'll get, if you have a really good one, uh, you can get it uh, mentioned on a later episode. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, as of, as always, of course, any comments or questions you have, please feel free to leave a comment on this web zone. Again, we're not going to send you a pizza roll, but you can, you know, go microwave one yourself. Um, and this has been Wandering Winter. Signing off.